There are few topics that are more hot button than the issue of abortion. And that has really come to the surface in the last couple weeks with the recent Supreme Court decision uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. There's a lot to unpack for us as Christians. Why do we believe the things we believe about abortion and about uh, the rights of the unborn, the rights of mothers? Um, and, And can we as Christians hold to a different view than the traditional view of pro-life movement and and to be anti-abortion. This is Drew Moss and today I've got Morgan Weiss in the studio with me and we spend a little bit of time talking through the biblical perspective on these things, why Christians believe the things they do, and, and how to think through some of the opposing issues that come up when we talk about pro-life, pro-choice things, and, and why some Christians think a little bit differently. We hope that this will be helpful to you. Morgan Weiss, what is the dumbest thing you've ever been roped into doing, or the uh, stupidest thing you've ever been pressured into doing or dared to do. Okay. There's actually two things in my life I've stolen. I, it makes me really <laughs> nervous, but I feel like if I'm going to confess one, I should confess the other. <laughs> one was a steak knife from a restaurant. Okay. Wait, okay. how old were we still? Uh, these are high school. Okay. Maybe, maybe freshman of college with the steak knife. Oh, okay. So maybe up there, 18. Um, one was a pillow from a hotel room and don't make fun of me (laughs) because i'm slightly nervous to even say this steve told me it would be okay so please if you need to come after somebody come after steve (laughs) um because i'm nervous about this but i did do those things and remember these are stupid dumb things yes if any students listen to this these are things you should not do you should not do i i can no longer look at the 10 commandments and it says thou shall not steal i've done it so yes. I can't, I have to cross it off. I have done that thing. So okay, was that's this pretty just, dumb. Was this just really like a really amazing pillow or was it just no. the, your, your friends trying to see if you could get away with like, it? It was like, honestly, it was like doing something. I think it was just kind of like doing something kind of dangerous. Oh uh, yeah. In my mind, it was a better pillow, which probably was true because yeah. I it's not my, my mom, I'm sure gets like pillows from Walmart, the cheapest one yeah. there is, you know, <laughs> but it was more like. Oh, I did it. And then yes. I get on I get on the basketball bus with the basketball girls and oh she did it. She got it. she has the pillow. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so strong, you know. And then I, I remember someone saying, They're gonna find that out and charge the room and I remember being like, Oh no, I'm gonna get caught and <laughs> paranoid about it and that's probably two of the dumbest things I was roped into doing. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna add to it a third one today. Uh, because you let me rope you into doing a podcast on abortion. And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nerve wracking, actually. Yes. All you can think about because people, I should just get off of media, but all that I can think about is okay, pretty much everything I say, somebody's going to scrutinize this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things we've in our staff, in some of our staff meetings, in our worship arts planning. You know, me just thought this is something we probably need to address. Yep. The the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade, which basically gives kind of the uh, the decision making back to the states uh, as to what they will allow abortion wise, and and we talked about this and prayed about this a couple weeks ago in in church, and and then you you know it's one of those things where uh, a lot of responses come out 
when when mm-hmm. that statement is made. A mm-hmm. lot of responses on social media. Um, we've had you know a few different conversations, and people kind of approach some of us on staff uh, with some hesitations about our own just prayers. We we you know we spent some time praying and a thanking God for something that's been prayed for for a while, but also be like asking God to help the church. Uh, live up to her calling to, to love those in need and care for those in need, not just the unborn, but but mothers and um, and those who are who will face difficulty even through some of this decision making process. And so, but but there's some people who had some concern on that. And so, uh, we just thought, you know, this is probably something. Even though uh, it's not our, you know, we may be a little bit hesitant to have some of this conversation yeah. it's only me and you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, i mean uh, drew if we le- jay we're gonna come to japan if we have to leave because yes, of this just look out they we're run coming us out there of town. yeah um we'll, we'll go hang out in japan um but yeah we we thought let's let's we wanted to talk about this so i i, I wanna I, I want to just first i want to break open this this kind of question why tri- why has the traditionally the Christian view been against abortion? Why have Christians traditionally aligned themselves against abortion? And I don't just mean uh, in the last 50 years or, you know, since Roe v. Wade or since uh, since the Republican Party or whatever you want to say. Like, uh, I'll actually, I'll read to you from, uh, from the Didache, which is a Christian writing from probably the first century. It was probably being written by Christians around the same time the Bible was being written. So right. this goes all the way back to the beginning of Christian, uh, kind of Christian views on things. And it has just this list of kind of commands and rules and how to live the Christian life is basically what it says. And this is what it says here in the Didache in the second chapter. The second commandment of the teaching, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not seduce boys, you shall not commit fornication. You shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, you shall not use potions, you shall not procure an abortion, nor destroy a newborn child. Uh, And this is being written in the middle, this is not uh, a group of people being kind of affected by their culture's views of things. Mm -hmm. This is being written where it was not any big deal at all to to either abort an unwanted child or uh, what was often the case was to... uh, to basically infanticide, which is basically leaving a child to die of exposure if it was uh, either had a disability or often if it was female mm-hmm. uh, to leave to leave the child to die. And, and mm-hmm. Christians in the middle of a culture where that wasn't even thought twice about um, stood starkly against this and even actually kind of made a practice and were known for being a group of people who would go and rescue infants who were left to die of exposure on, on the trash heap. So anyway, this is, this has been kind of the Christian position from the very beginning. Right. So why, why, why do Christians generally line up with what we might call the pro-life stance and those kinds of things? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Okay. It's interesting too, when you're talking about the nerve being like kind of nervous, I just remember growing up um, we had like the life chain still yes. at our life train yep. chain for years. And I remember my family standing out in front of the old Walmart with in front of that Burger King. Cause mm-hmm. I remember other kids getting slushies and my family told me we couldn't have any. <laughs> um, I just remember holding signs and it was not, it was a big deal, but it was not seeming to get as much press as it is right now with all the media. But yeah. so for back to your question, the, um, the Bible teaches that God makes people. 
Mm-hmm. And the God teaches, the Bible teaches that God makes every, he cre- that he's the creator of all things and he created everything for his glory. And then there's something different about a person and about all the other things he has created. The Bible teaches that um, while God created the mountains for his glory and he created the skies for his glory and the oceans for his glory, he created people and then here's the caveat in his image for his glory. Mm-hmm. And so there's this very unique thing about the way that people are created, um, that we are created in the image of God. And so in Genesis one twenty seven, you know, it says, God makes them, um, let us make man in our image, male and female, we will create them. And then we start to see how God is the author of all life um, throughout other passages in scripture. Uh, one of the famous ones, if you can say famous, I guess, is Psalm um, 139, mm-hmm. um, which talks about how I knit you together in your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew you in the place that was secret. Yeah. Um, that's one of them. I there were a couple of others that I found in Isaiah forty four twenty four and Jeremiah 1, 5, where it's the, the prophecy is not necessarily referring to um, an issue of unborn life, but where it's referenced that God knows us and knows the plans for us um, and for his people at that time before they even came to be. Um, so like when they were in the womb, when they were growing. Um, and then in Luke one, when we hear about John the Baptist responding to uh, yeah. Jesus and Mary, and he's in the womb and, and he moves in the womb. Yeah. I, th- I even think like we can say, I, I remember, you know, with women now, when their children move in the womb, they want you to feel that. Mm-hmm. They can feel that happening. Um, you can feel a restless child inside of you. Yeah. And so we believe that because we believe that at conception, um, that life is created and is they, then these cells are now growing together, right? Mm-hmm. God is weaving and, and making this person. We believe that any way of taking that person is taking a life and mm-hmm. therefore murder. And so murder is against the commands of God. We are created in the image of God. God is the author of all life. Therefore, you know, yeah. abortion is wrong. Yes, we would say. Well, and you used you used two words kind of interchangeably, which I think is is fair to use interchangeably. Uh, you used life, the taking of a life, and you used like the the taking of a person, the killing of a person who's born in there, right? And that is, uh, it's we we've really moved. Uh, you know, people who are way smarter than me will tell you that we really kind of move beyond the debate as to whether it is a life. Yeah. In, in the womb. That's kind of science. Uh, everything we everything we've been able to study will will say, yeah, this is science. It's all the all the same DNA that you're going to have when you're a full grown adult. Like it's yeah. like this is a life in the womb. And so the next question that people begin to ask, well, maybe it's not about whether it's a life, but is that life a person? Uh, at what point does that unborn child become a person? Um, mm-hmm. And that really is key, right? Because what you said, Genesis 127, is, is key that God created human beings, people, in his image. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the unborn child more, that's what makes people in general more valuable than cats or dogs or mountains or dolphins, right? Yeah. Is, is that. And so that question of when is a person? And, and from, you know, the Bible doesn't have a line that says at this many weeks or at conception, it is a person, you know what I mean? But, but the way the Bible seems to talk uh, about under, uh, about, you know, John the Baptist leaping in the womb and, and, 
you know, God knowing people as he forms them in the womb leads us to that. And, and the truth is every, every time people try to create a set of, uh, criteria for determining whether an unborn child is a person, we seem to wade into some dangerous territory. Uh, Anytime, by the way, anytime you decide, start to decide, uh, like human beings get to decide who is a person and when a person is a person, that gets dangerous. That's, that's how things worked in Nazi Germany. That's how you mistreat people. That's how you abuse people is by you lower their personhood. And so we're always very cautious about those kinds of things. And so there's questions about like viability. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when can a person, when a baby is allowed to, when a baby could live on their own, could mm-hmm. survive outside of the womb they're at that point viable that's when they're a person and so you mm-hmm. before then it's kind of okay but afterwards the problem with that is that you know technology keeps pushing that 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 point of viability further and further back babies mm-hmm. are allowed to live a lot longer also um, man there would be an, a number of covid patients over the last couple of years living on ventilators who would not have fit the definition of person because they were not viable unless they were hooked up to machines, ventilators and stuff, keeping them alive. And so when we make that the marker for personhood is, can it survive on its mm-hmm. own? Can he or she survive on their own? Man, you, you get, the, you know, you can get into some really dangerous territory. Uh, even adults on ventilators, even infants can be considered not viable and therefore mm-hmm. not persons. You know, mm-hmm. you were opening up to another uh, well, and text even, there. Even like for how long on a ventilator and yeah. for i mean you just start getting into a lot of weeds that are it becomes very hard to be consistent yeah yeah you know? i was just gonna read because uh, i had mentioned isaiah 44 so he's talking about restore that's you know this is a, a book of prophecy he's talking about when he restores israel but he just says this is what the lord your redeemer who formed you from the womb says i am the lord who made everything who stretched out the heavens by myself who alone spread out the earth um, and then in Jeremiah, I just wanted to make sure you guys had these since we were, since I was referencing them. Um, Jeremiah one, it's one five. Yep. Is that right? Do you know what it says? That's you the, I knew you before. Was it speaking to Jeremiah before, before I chose you before I formed you in okay. the womb. I yeah. set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. Okay. It's the word from the Lord that came to Jeremiah. Um, so there are these just there's so many moments like that that point to God as creator. You know, and we know we I think as Christians, we would say 100 percent God is our creator. Mm-hmm. What do we mean by that? We mean that God decides and forms us. He created us before um, everything that it, that is existent existed God was we believe he is self-existent from eternity to eternity you know he's he's eternal and then he speaks and things happen and he creates that's what he does and then he says he creates us in his image so for us to decide I think so when is something you know actually become a person or yeah. not is not really up to us that's yeah. up to the Lord yeah. and and the fact that he knows who we are and it's and he speaks there are several times in the Bible that it speaks to us being unborn and yeah. still being um, there, still being something that he is forming, a person he is forming is a big deal. Yes. You know, it's a yes. very big deal. Yes. And once again, when you start, when we start making determinations, it gets really blurry really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an article from an article in uh, the Journal of Medical Ethics. Just a quick quote. This, these two guys, 
with Italian names that I could not pronounce, uh, wrote in the Journal of Medical Ethics in 2012 when they, they're using, they're saying a child becomes a person when it reaches various capacities of self-awareness, uh, sentience, the ability to experience pain or pleasure, those kinds of things. Okay. But, but because of that, they say after birth abortion, that is killing a child after it's been born, at two weeks old, at three weeks old, after birth abortion should be permissible in all cases where abortion is, including cases where the newborn is not disabled. So even if the child is not disabled, nothing's wrong with it. Uh, these kind of uh, these guys write in this article say that newborn still doesn't have as many like capacities as an adult does. So if you don't want that child, if if you didn't hope for that gender, or if it doesn't seem uh, like you have the ability to support it, it should still you should still be allowed to kill that child. Um, which I think a lot of pro-choice people, even pro-choice people, would be oh, yeah. very uncomfortable with that, right? Yeah. And would go, I like no, that's not what we're for. Um, but but what these guys are saying is, but the the definitions that make an unborn child not a person would apply to a born child, would imply apply to a, a newborn infant. And so mm-hmm. for consistency's sake, they're saying, we should allow you to take the life of the child before birth and after birth for at least a period of time. Um, which to, to us, the, and these are the reasons we believe also, you know, not only do we believe that God is the maker of life, but that, I mean, he calls us over and over again to care for um, the defenseless and the innocent and, and the those weak, who can't the, the vulnerable. weak, the vulnerable. And, and so this is, and, and so we, we believe unborn children fit in that category. And, and this is why traditionally Christians dating back to the beginning um, have been against abortion and for the lives of children born and unborn uh, for, for the last 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to kind of talk. I, I, I said traditionally Christians have been. Uh, that's not across the board where all Christians have, have stood. Um, and, and you may have seen, I've, I've read some stuff recently, articles online with people coming and saying, hey, I, you know, the title of the article, I'm Christian and I'm pro-choice. Uh, or, or voicing their things on podcasts. I've had some discussions with friends who've kind of wrestled with some of this stuff and yeah. go, I don't know that I'm excited about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And so I kind of want to ask, I just want to talk through this a little bit. Why, why is it that there are some Christians who would qualify themselves as pro-choice? Like what, what is some of the reasoning that some Christians give for those things? And I should probably, I want to clarify, there are some Christians who might say they're pro-choice, and there are others who would go, I'm not pro-choice. I'm not for women just being able to choose. Uh, I am for women's health. I am pro-women's health. I am pro-women's mm-hmm. rights. And I want those to be protected and taken care of. Um, and so I, I want to make sure that, you know, there are, there are people on both sides of this. Um, e- e- Christians who would say, no, the woman's right to choose is important. And there are Christians who go, it's not so much about the woman's right to choose, but I am concerned about women's rights for health and those kinds of things. And so uh, talk through that a little bit. What, like as some of the stuff you read, some of the stuff you're having conversations with people, those kinds of things, why is it there are some people who go, I don't know that we should be glad about this decision that's made. Yeah. So Honestly, I think I've heard a lot of things that I don't know how much of it is are, are, is true. So I've heard the, like, I am actually pro-life, but I am very concerned about what this could do for women's health. Mm-hmm. So in talking to a trusted OBGYN in Stillwater, you know, we said, so will this affect women's health? And the OBGYN Christian person says, no, absolutely not. This will not. 
affect women's health. Um, this is not about uh, birth control. This is not right. about some of these other issues. This is not if um, a child and a mother um, are on a table and um, the mother's dying, the child's dying, and we're in this. We're not just going to say, well, you know, forget the mom. And the mom no longer is valuable. That's not that's not what this is about at all. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that's interesting because I think we naturally go there. And I think part of the reason we go there is because we care about the people we love. Yes. And we're thinking about people in our lives that are, um, man, they, my, you know, my wife had a co- could have a complication or uh, my sister could have a complication or what if... Uh, I, ha- what if my, my wife has an, ep- you know, an ectopic pregnancy and her fallopian tube ruptures within her. And so I start, I started going into some of the weeds here and I found out, um, just like the rarity of some of these things mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I had told you earlier, it's like maternal deaths. It's 17 women out of every hundred thousand births. That was in 2018. That was a stat from 2018 in the U S it's very, very rare that that happens. And I, and when pre Roe v. Wade, it was not a, it was not a, uh, it was not a situation where if there's, you know, if a child's, uh, something's happening the child's dying the mother's dying we we have to choose they're going to save the life that is most likely to survive mm-hmm. is what a doctor would do mm-hmm. um and that's what they're going to do um and so i think sometimes it's just getting more clarity not necessarily reading one news article or following a news channel but trying to really see what is true mm-hmm. maybe going more to like what do the laws actually say not necessarily what does the news say. Um, those things would be helpful, yes. you know, for those kinds of situations. Or let's talk to doctors who do this for a living. Or let's talk to some of that and yes. not just kind of going with, it seems like on the news I always see like people that are picketing, people that are angry, mm-hmm. people that feel a little fired up. And so maybe I just need to pull back that back a little bit and look at some of the facts. I've also heard just a lot of, um, things that I think if you're not uh, if you're not thinking carefully through it sound really good on the yeah. surface. So I've seen um, and I've seen this not I've seen this kind of on both sides, but I've seen um, I've seen things stated like I am not pro-choice. I am pro um, little girl who was raped by an uncle. Yeah. I am pro woman who dies on the table Mm -hmm. giving birth. I am pro and they give these kind of extreme circumstances. Um, And so I've kind of gone in and looked at those as well. Yeah. And those are also extremely rare. When you look at like statistics for abortion, what you're looking at are um, like 60% at least of, of people having abortions are people in their twenties that are choosing that this is not the time for me mm-hmm. to have a child. Mm-hmm. So it, it really truly is. And, and it might be, there are different cases for that. It might be, I'm not with the father of the child. Mm-hmm. It might be, I'm not um, at a place financially where I feel I can care for a child. It might be, uh, there's kind of some different, re- I'm not a big one, is at a place in my career where this can happen. Um, so there's all these different reasons, but it is still choosing like kind of an inconvenience as our reason. Yeah. Um, and I've heard, 
you know, I've heard an argument, which really, this is probably the argument that gets me going the most because like everybody, when you have a personal relationship to it, you can kind of feel more fired up. Um, I've heard people saying we care, you know, people that are um, pro-life care for unborn babies, but do not care for the thousands of children after they're born. Mm -hmm. We don't care for children in foster care, you know, for the 400,000 children in foster care in the United States. We don't care for all these things. And I, I just believe that's not true. Um, I believe that Christians do care and that Christian people ought to care. And if Christian people don't care for other people because of a race or consider people less, um, valuable, Um, and worthy of uh, just worthy because God gives them worth. Um, If people consider any race, not that any um, gender, not that any person that is anybody that's a person. If any person is seen as less than another person, I believe that person, the person that believes that is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we ought to do more for people that don't. I am very passionate about foster care. That's why I've fostered for 10 years. You know, and I am very passionate about about people who don't have what they need. I have seen I have witnessed myself in the past 34 years of my short life. I've witnessed the church coming alongside refugees that come into town from another place that um, send money to help help orphans and care for people that are refugees of war, um, that come alongside people that are fostering, that serve um, in shelters and as advocates, CASAs, and people for, for children in need. Um, I've seen that, you know, and so I just, I just think that's not true. Yeah. And so it does bother me when I hear those kind of things, because I just think that's not true. And I think what, what, what the world would like us to believe as Christians is, oh yeah, well then maybe, oh, that does sound really bad. So maybe then we just should throw out the baby with the bathwater kind of thing. And it's like, no, um, no, I believe, I believe black lives matter. Um, and people wouldn't say, well, this black lives matter movement, people aren't going to say, well, why are you saying that? Don't you believe that all lives matter? Mm-hmm. And the community, um, with black lives matter would say, we do believe all lives matter. We just believe that black lives have been drastically mistreated in our history. Yep. And we would say, you know, so pro-life, uh, you're pro-life. So do you not believe people that are born matter? Yeah. We'd say, no, we just believe that our history in the United States has drastically mistreated people who are not born. Yeah. And so we're going to rejoice over the fact that that's not going to be hopefully as much of the case anymore. We had over 600,000 abortions mm-hmm. last year in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of unborn people. You know, and I don't think that we have necessarily thought about that as taking life um, in the way that I believe it is, you know. So I I kind of see a lot of arguments. Some of them just don't even correlate. Some of them are not true. And some of them I think are valid because they are personal. And I would challenge us to look at like maybe what's what are the actual laws. Yeah. 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 I've seen, you know, I've read articles uh, a lady who who is defending, you know, the pro-choice stance from a Christian perspective, and she goes and she says, you know, her one of her largest things is what we see from Jesus is that he has a kindness and a compassion towards women over and yeah. over again in yeah. the scriptures, um, and she moves from there, and therefore we should too, and and then she kind of moves from there to go, and therefore we should we should secure the rights of women to be able to procure a healthy safe abortion if they need to and i and she had me all the way up until right like i totally believe we see that jesus 
is uh, kind shows, yes, to people. Shows a kindness towards. There's yes. a reason, right? The, there's a reason that the Roman Empire had a, had a lopsided ratio of men to women because in the Roman Empire in that day and age, uh, young girls were often thrown out. Young female yep. infants were thrown out and left to die. The church actually had a flip of that ratio because the church cared for women. Uh, like crazy, and we're taking mm-hmm. those women, those those young girls in, and all those things. Uh, and so, yeah, I totally believe that. But I I don't run to I don't run from Jesus was kind to women to then women should be allowed to uh, yeah. abort an unborn child. Um, just like I don't go, man, Jesus was really kind in Luke, I think it's seven, to the Roman centurion, and therefore Jesus would be cool with. Uh, Roman oppression of Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? The, the mm-hmm. Jesus shows kindness, and we should too, but there, the, he still draws lines as to how we treat other people and those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and even ourselves. Yes. How yes. we treat ourselves, you know? Yes. I, I do think, like, I, I have thought a lot about Thessalonians, you know, and my own personal walk with the Lord. Um, like, sexual immorality is a big deal in mm-hmm. our world. And I, and I have preached to myself Thessalonians where it says, Oh, but you know, your body is a temple of the Holy spirit. Your body is not your own. It was bought at a price. Therefore honor God with your body. And I just keep hearing over and over a redundant. It's my body. I get to do what I want with my body. And anytime a Christian says that, I think that we should have an alarm going off in our head mm-hmm. because we believe that our bodies are actually, they belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. The only hope that we have in this life and life or death is that our bodies are not our own, mm-hmm. but they belong to God. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe as Christian people, um, which is why we, with our money and with our time and the way we, the way we choose to, um, stick with one person when we get married. I mean, all, a lot of choices we make are due to what we believe about God and that he is, because he is our creator, he is like our author and he knows what's best for us. Yes. And so we submit to following him and trusting his way is the right way. Yes. Now the, the response would be, yes, I, and I, I believe that should be our starting point, right? Is not looking for what are my rights and what can I do and what can I get? The response would be, you know, yes, my body belongs to the Lord, but it does not belong to the government. Um, and it mm-hmm. does not belong to male politicians who want to make laws about what my body should should be, right? Um, and so that's, you know, and that's where a lot of people, are, I think, are concerned is the government taking Infringing. in our body, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which to, to which we would say, actually, I mean, the government does infringe on a lot of things that we can do with yeah. our body. It yeah. does not allow us to... Uh, inject heroin into our body. Yeah. Chad, um, Chad Ragsdale touched on that, which I yeah. really appreciated um, in his article. He said, you know, yeah, we have all sorts of laws that have to do with our body. Yeah. Like what you're saying, you can't yeah. inject drugs into your body. Yes. You can't um, get a tattoo before you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, um, you can't expose yourself in public. Yes. You can't even undress. Yeah. And, and not be in, get, you know, yeah. have, have something happen because of that. And so like there's, we have lots of rules but about particularly, our bodies. Particularly when what I do with my body affects another body, right? Like right. I, I'm not allowed to punch you in the face with that's, that's considered assault. You know what yeah. I mean? If I do that. And so when my, when the choices with my body affect another human being, which is kind of the statement that we're, we're holding to from the beginning that, that those who are created by God, born or unborn are, are right, people. Human being. Yeah, they are right, human people. beings. And so we, yeah, and so we don't do those things. Um, I, I've heard some people argue, and I think that this is really, I think this is wise to think through these things, that we, we cannot and should not legislate our Christian morality 
on to other people. And, and there is actually a wisdom. We, we believe this, and man, we've got to believe this as the church, that, that our, our, our ultimate hope and therefore our ultimate goal is not found in law changes yes. and getting people to change the law, making everything illegal, and all that, that cannot Absolutely. be it, right? And so we've got to hold to that. I really do appreciate when people bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, and, and so I, I want to, I want to care for people's hearts and hope that that happens. And I want to try to create a world where, where abortion doesn't feel like the necessity that it feels like to some women Yeah. Uh, in marginalized spaces. And they don't have, they don't have the income or the money or the, or the resources around them mm-hmm. to take care of them. I, I want us to work towards those kinds of things. Um, and I do believe, man, we cannot we cannot, uh, you know, legislate the worship of Jesus. It just can't work that way mm-hmm. um, because worshiping Jesus and obeying Jesus is something that ought to come from my heart. Um, mm-hmm. And yet there is some level in which much of our laws, even in this land, have Christian ethics at the root of them. Um, a Judeo-Christian, the very fact that uh, human beings are protected from things like homicide and stuff uh, is is because we believe again not everyone who who holds to these laws believes this but it's rooted in this idea that Christians are made in the image of God right um, this is this is Peter Singer the Princeton professor he's a he's an atheist philosopher and he says basically hey he does not believe in the image of God. He doesn't believe in Imago Dei. And this is why he is okay with uh, infanticide and stuff. But he says basically that you determine value by sentience, by how much, how much self-conscious a thing has. And therefore, his statement is uh, pigs, dogs, and chimpanzees have more value than human infants. And that's like his quote. Uh, and, and so... In that case, we go, no, actually, I'm really glad that our government is using Christian ethics to determine a belief in God to determine the ethics that actually human beings have more value than than animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so there, there's a line at which we go, yeah, I, I, I don't want to force the Christian faith on people, but I'm OK yeah. with when Jesus comes and changes the game and makes women more valuable than they were ever considered in the Roman world. Yeah. Um, when Jesus comes and changes the game and makes children way more valuable than they were ever considered in that world. I'm OK with us going, yeah, let's find follow the, the Christian ethic. Let's follow the Jesus way of treating women and children um, and not just go, well, we're, we're not going to put these kinds of values on the world around us. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that's a big deal. The two biggest countries without Christian influence, like with kind of very little Christian background influence, have two of the m- widest margins of birth ratio. That is China and India uh, have a heavy uh like off kilter ratio of, of men to women because of the how common female abortions are infanticide yeah. twist because in those cultures women do not have the value that they have in cultures where the Bible has at least laid some foundation for yeah. our for the way we treat yeah. people and the way we think of people, you know? And I don't think it's kind of like back to what you said, though. I don't think it's like Roe v. Wade's overturned. Oh, the Christians are winning yeah. in America. Yeah. I just think that's silly to say that. You know, I think that we are called, but we are, call- I do believe we are called to value life. 
Yes. We are called to do that. Yes. Like that is part of being a Christian citizen. Yes, absolutely. You know? um, just anything else that we need to, as we're thinking through things like this, anything else, Morgan, that you go, we just really need to make sure we, we keep this in mind, that we think through these kinds of things. I, the one thing that, the reason I said yes to coming on this podcast is I do think do, being, doing youth ministry our young people are watching us and their minds are shifting more than ours even are. And so where we might've thought about something or where our parents might've thought about something in one way, the younger people are kind of catching just the very end of that and then have a whole new way of thinking and understanding. And I want them to know, you know, I was even thinking about that with the, with the life, uh, the chain for life or whatever. I was just thinking like, we don't do that anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I just thought, I wonder how many of these people, this is how many of my students haven't even thought about like life and when Mm -hmm. it begins and God creating it and abortion and what that is Mm -hmm. and all these things. And so when they hear just like a quick witted statement on social media flash before their screen on Instagram, Mm -hmm. how many of them will go, yeah, that actually does sound nice. And that sounds mean. And so I just think it's really smart. Um, just like in all cases for us to try to continue to have these conversations. So if you have questions or if, you, or if you're saying, but what about, but what about, but what about, there's so many scenarios we could go into. Come ask us. We want to talk mm-hmm. about those things. We want to continue to talk about those things. And we want to think deeply with you about, okay, what does the Bible say? There are things that I have thought that I have done without, no, I haven't thought that I've done without thinking that now I, I think differently about as I've been pressed just to think about them. Like I think differently about there are other things. I don't know. I think differently about a lot of things. So I don't want to say them on here (laughs) because I'm nervous, but, but truly I would, I would welcome you to come ask us. And then I would, I would also, I always warn, say this, if you are posting things on media that lump Christians in together and lump the church in together, um, say the church, come on church, get with the program, the church, and you are a Christian I believe that is not wise. I, I just think you needed to go take it down. Go take it down right now. Because, and it's not, not angry about it. It's just like for us, like it's not helpful. You're not being helpful. If you really have an issue um, and you feel like the church, then let's narrow down who are those people that you actually are thinking of and let's have a conversation mm-hmm. and let's get to the bottom of it. But just throwing out there for a whole bunch of unbelievers to go, oh yeah, see, they're just mad. Then it's like, okay. God, God cares about the church. He treasures the church. He calls the church his bride. Um, and he's, he's saving people through his church. Um, and so I just think you, you need to be careful about that. Um, when you do that, I think that is not wise. Yeah. Always valuable to, to love the church and lead the church from within the church rather than yeah. yelling at the church. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And, and yeah. sometimes, hey. If, that looks just like if, the world to if me. I need to be, if yep. I need to be yelled at for my sin or whatever, then, man, come, come yell yeah. at me. But, like, but rather than yelling at uh, generically all Christians it's for not, my sin. This is not, not going to solve the problem. Yeah. This is not going to solve anything. Yeah. I so. do. I do think I value what you said about, you know, hey, having discussions. I'm grateful, honestly, even in this for some, uh, you know, a little bit of discussions that I've got to have with people who think slightly differently than mm-hmm. me on this, mm-hmm. on this whole option. And to find out, by the way, that we actually didn't think that much differently than we thought. 
that we yeah. were a lot closer than we thought actually yeah. uh but than i would have ever known if i was if we were just looking at social media posts of each other um and just to kind of hear where people are at i would also kind of say you you mentioned something like this earlier but like if we if we are going to be pro-life it is it is wise for us to be pro-life all the way all the and way to care for care for people born and unborn i really do think it's important for the church to engage in foster care and adoption and even if that's not you morgan has engaged in that like crazy that's a, a big part of what you've done mm-hmm. um uh but even if that's not you i i have not but i do feel this like conviction in me that as as a part of the church i should be coming alongside of the morgans yep. and helping if if i'm not doing it then i need to help those who feel called to do it uh do it better the church yeah. kind of as one big family needs to help in foster yeah. care and need to help with the resources and the care for and the loving of these kids and and yeah, in in every way we can to care for those in need. And I would so. just say, and that has happened. Yeah. You know, and I want to, I just want to say that like the church does do a good job of that. And yeah. for people to say they don't, I, I'd love to know what church they're going to. Um, and if they're going to this one, I bet I could list five things that have been done, you yeah. know? So I just don't think that's true. Like yeah. I just, people have mowed my lawn. People have given money. People have sent letters to my child in prison. People have done all sorts of things. So I just think you know, we're not, we're not going to agree about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ah, man, who knows? We hope this has been helpful. (laughs) Uh, we really do hope this has been helpful for, for you here at Sunnybrook and brothers and sister, uh, sisters of ours that don't go to Sunnybrook. Um, but still love the same Jesus that we do. Uh, we hope it is. And we hope that if you've got questions or if there are things that you not quite sure you agree on, or that you just don't quite uh, understand exactly how we're putting it, our perspective. We hope that you'll reach out. We would love to talk with you and think through some of these things with you. Until next time. See ya.